Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Well, Taylor, Riley and I failed recently. Okay. And I wanted to share it with you. (laughs) Wait, there seems to be a disagreement about this failure. (laughs) Failed is a strong word. I don't consider it a failure. I consider it a failure. We don't say that word in this family. (laughs) Yeah, that has big, big connotations in this family. (laughs) (laughs) But also, we were raised to believe that if you didn't win, you lost. And and this this has resulted in your daughter thinking if she gets a 15 out of 16 on her math test, she has failed. Now, listen, I did everything I could to make that OK. I in no way instilled that expectation. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. that was all Charlie Just came up with that on her own, did she? Yes, I know. I told her that I was very proud of her and she did her best and that that was wonderful and amazing and. She knew the information. I even I even said that. You know the information. You just weren't paying very close attention there. That's okay. You know it. That's the point of school is to learn things. You learn the thing. You know the thing. That's the knowledge is more important than the grade. I will say I said all these. Charlie things. also said she failed <laughs> this weekend. Well, uh, this okay. okay. Why, why, they, there was all, an, why are you all failures? Please tell yeah, me. Yeah, we're all failures. There is an alternate reality game here in Huntington. Uh, this Not. had been going on. F- an arg. An arg. This has been going on for several weeks, and we now I will say, like, in fairness, we just got in on the end of it. Like somehow we didn't know, which feels also like no kind idea. of a failure that I didn't know this was happening. But our escape room, the lost escape room here in Huntington, well, in conjunction with all of the other ones in the tri-state area, um, put on this game called the Long Halloween, and like you had to solve puzzles on based on these videos, and you had to like actually go physical places in Huntington to do things, and it was very cool, and it was very fun, and we solved the last puzzle pretty quickly. It was available on Sunday on Halloween, and you solved it on Sunday. Uh-huh. I, we solved it pretty quickly. Mm. I solved it pretty quickly. But when we went to the location that we thought the final thing was, we just didn't find it. It was there. We went to the right place. We searched. We just didn't see. And then we all went to that place the next two days. Yes. And we just kept looking. It was just, it was like the little, kind of like a little geocache thing. And Mm -hmm. it was in a tree. And we just didn't see it. Just didn't see it. Oh, man. I think the most frustrating thing about it is the final clue basically led you to tragedy and comedy masks. And then the extra clue they gave was like a gif of the woods. And we all immediately were like, oh, well, the only theater in Huntington that is not surrounded by other buildings is the outdoor theater. And we had where, already been to the outdoor theater. Which we'd theater. already been to, where we do theater every summer and have for the past seven years. So, like, of all the places to know where to look for something, we were like, oh, well, we know where to look for things. We searched every, we went up there, we circled the entire amphitheater, climbed around there. I mean, looked at every, and just missed it. Just missed it. Did somebody solve it? Yes. Yeah, somebody found it. That is found why we it. failed. Someone found it. <sighs> they gave extra hints and clues, but they didn't help us because we already knew where it was. Yeah, Sydney we was just... frustrated about the hints and clues because they helped people solve the puzzles that Sydney had already solved. Yes. Ah. People so caught we up didn't with win. You. I did say, though, I was glad that uh, we, we were out looking for it when someone found it. We were looking at a different location, but mm-hmm. um, there were people commenting and saying they were there when the other people found it like i just touched that tree it was in and then they walked over and looked and they found it right after we were there and like we watched them find it and we'd been there a few times i told sid i was like i am glad glad you weren't there 
Because I, I can only imagine if Sydney would see someone else pull it out of a tree if we had just walked away from it after being there three days in a row. I solved it first. <laughs> you, fa- I didn't need the hints. I did it without podcast- the hints. Local podcasting doctor is in jail for killing a man over an ARG. <laughs> but this is this is why I don't consider it a failure because we did solve it. You solved every puzzle there was and your immediate instinct of where to look before there was the clue about the woods. Oh, yeah. Before there was the clue about the woods, we went, you all went and looked at the amphitheater. We did. And you solved it. It just, we didn't find it. That was my only frustration is like, it was like a geocache, like you said, Mm -hmm. but geocaches have like the coordinates. So at least, you know, like, well, it's definitely somewhere here. I just need to find it. And we kept looking and looking, looking. And then the longer we looked, the more I thought, well, maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't solve it correctly. Yeah. Maybe I, you know, misunderstood the clue and I, I don't know. It kept making me second guess myself. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we failed. We did not fail. We still solved it. We just didn't find that last thing. But we didn't win $500. I cared more about the fact you got free tickets to, to an escape room. I, I just wanted to win for the winning. I know. <laughs> well, now you've documented to the masses that you solved it before whoever did win. So there you go. <laughs> I, I told, didn't need hints. I told Sid that we need to go do an escape room now to prove ourselves again. I said, I feel like such a, yeah. like, I'm so embarrassed. My perfect record of escape rooms ever since that first one I did with Utah that we did not get out of, um, which I blame entirely on the fact that it was with like a group of as many strangers as there were people that we knew, which like just makes escape rooms harder. Yeah, that was, um, that ever was since then. Group. Yeah. Ever since then, I've had a perfect record. Now I'm just embarrassed. Well, I what I did what it did lead us to do is say to like these cool people at the escape room, "Hey, it, do you want to partner with some local podcasters and do this again? Because <laughs> this was super fun. Do you want a podcast themed one? <laughs> How about a podcast themed escape room? <laughs> um, because I want to do it again. Yeah." Wait. Well, if you partner with them, aren't you part of it? You you don't get to do it. Yeah, then we can't participate. Mm. Oh, that's true. I don't um, want to. I I, <laughs> I actually don't want. I mean, yeah. I, I would like. I want to solve the puzzles. I would like I to share them. though. The best thing to come out of this was Justin. Te- there was a number you could text <laughs> to like let them know like we think we found this or like if you have a question or whatever that goes to the escape room and Justin texts them. It said basically like, hey, it's me, the person you've definitely been working on the long Halloween with. Uh, I was going to check on the item and, you know, my GPS, I misplaced the address. So can you send me the exact location to put my GPS to go find it? <sighs> but they, didn't, they, they didn't get but the they didn't get joke. It. The sarcasm, the, it didn't carry across the text <laughs> message. So they were like, who is this? We're definitely not working with anybody. This is the Lost Escape Room. <laughs> Like you're what, not gonna trick us. What <laughs> name did he give himself? Churg, 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 Gustin, something. I don't, I don't know. know. It, it was, was a very silly name. Um, but they did not get they it. Like that we don't know who you are. We're not giving you the location. Like, well, <laughs> I told Justin, I was like, that didn't carry through the text. You no. needed, the inflection wasn't there. Yeah. And if that had worked, how bad would that have looked? <laughs> that would have looked very yeah. bad. <laughs> um, I also appreciate that at one point it gave you the code word Bentley 
that you're mm-hmm. supposed to use to solve whatever it was. I think at the end it was like a code word to put in like a lockbox. I think that's yeah. the item they found. But that also resulted in, you know, people walking into various businesses in downtown Huntington and yelling, <laughs> Bentley! Yeah. Our, our friends were walking into bars downtown, no. just walking up to the bartender and looking at him and going, Bentley. <laughs> And Charlie and Cooper also were walking around outside, looking like outside the amphitheater, Bentley, going, Bentley! Bentley! I feel like Huntington is the perfect size town to have something like this, where like everybody can kind of know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like something it like did, that in New yeah. York would be chaos, but that's, that's a good, you know. It was, it, yeah. It, I think, I think everybody, like, cause even like the, the bartenders eventually were like, oh, yeah, you're doing whatever. You're doing. We don't know what that's all about, that you're in the wrong place. But yeah, you're doing that thing. <laughs> you're doing that nerd thing, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Cool. Have fun. Good luck. <laughs> we can't help you, but it's fun. The only thing I usually do wrong is I just get too hung up on very small things, which happens in escape rooms often, but I feel like escape rooms are at least contained enough where I can, like, find out pretty quickly, oh, this is nothing. But with this, there are so many different things in all the little videos that I just kept getting hung up on. I was like, wait, but like, what if we're all wrong? What about this one URL and this one shot and this one screen? We, we need to solve this. We need to crack this. That's no, oh, nothing. man. Taylor Swift has ruined you for actual puzzle solving. She has. Yes, that's what she it is. She has. Being a Taylor Swift fan is just like one big ARG. <laughs> <laughs> and no one has ever gotten it right. <laughs> Well, if there was ever a time we needed an ARG, this is it. That's true. Yeah. Um, but we are not just talking about ARGs. D- no. <laughs> no. Or our failures. So sorry. <laughs> hey, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah. So this week, uh, I, I brought to the table uh, Biff Naked, uh, uh, a recording artist who uh, had, I think, the album that uh, I listened to a lot was Ibithicus, which came out in 98 but she's had a mm-hmm. uh, she's had consistent releases since then um but definitely uh i guess was hit, hit her her high point in the the late 90s early 2000s um this album when we were younger was so i mean it was on such heavy rotation in my neon <laughs> yes yes it was at least once a week. <laughs> I I was listening. Yes. Oh, if not more. I was listening to it and just like remembering screaming these songs at the top of our lungs while while eating Taco Bell in our neon. <laughs> That's what I was saying. It was definitely like the soundtrack for like a a midnight trip to Taco Bell. Mhm. What do you think, Riley? I really enjoyed it. Um I feel like we've talked about on here before a few times and we've talked about some of your all's music that this style i guess like this genre wasn't necessarily something i like was ever super into but i think most of that is just because i was listening to music in this weird era that was like slightly post some of the pop punk of like the early 2000s but -hmm. before some of the more modern pop punk so like and i know this is more like punk i guess than pop punk but like kind of both like that kind of vibe it's both yeah yeah um, but I grew up in a weird middle era where it was like, if I would have wanted to listen to this kind of music, I would have had to look for it. It was not just presented to me. Mm. Um, so I ended up with just the pop, not the punk, <laughs> mostly in my listening, my youth. Um, so I wasn't really exposed to this kind of music until you all started, like, we started doing the show and I started listening mm-hmm. to some of your all stuff. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoy, obviously, like, um, 
I don't know, angry girl songs. I love. <laughs> uh, That's true. That definitely, we definitely had that shift from like actual punk to this sort of intermediary to by the time you would have like, I don't know, the Avril Lavigne bridge had already yeah. been crossed. And so I got the very tail end of Avril Lavigne and that was the closest I ever got to <laughs> punk. I got skater boy. I love the idea of the closest I ever got to punk was Avril Lavigne. Yeah. I almost said that actually when I was laying out that timeline a few seconds ago and I was like, no, I can't say that. They'll make fun of me. Well, no, but I mean, it really, that was the progression of this kind of music. It went that direction. And then it was just like you said, pop. Yeah. You know, like shiny plastic pop. Yeah. I thought I was edgy because Demi Lovato had put out some like more (laughs) punky stuff. I was listening to their music. I was like, yeah. Well, of so course, edgy. P- punk existed this whole time. Like, it continued through. Yeah. But this was just when it hit the mainstream. It was definitely, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you had the, like, you know, Blink-182 and Green Day and, you know, bands like that that were dominant, like, being mm-hmm. punky on the yeah. radio. What was on the radio? I mean, yeah. which which used to matter a lot more. Even mm-hmm. when I was growing up, that was, like, what I was exposed to was mm-hmm. what was on the radio. You don't necessarily see music... Um, like collectively consumed and then like pushing culture in a specific direction in that way anymore because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways to listen and it's not I don't know not, most of us don't just turn on the radio yeah <laughs> to, <laughs> I had to to do that ARG you had to find t- tune the radio you had to park somewhere and tune your radio to radio to a certain FM station and I was trying to explain to Charlie and Cooper what we were doing <laughs> <laughs> because they were like what is this charlie was like can you believe if you turn this one part of like the car onto like a certain like thing like a certain number then then like it makes it i was like are you talking about a radio oh no (laughs) yeah they had no idea what that was but like it just you don't and and that definitely was the kind of the dominant music was Mm -hmm. it it switched to just the pop yeah yeah well i um I, this definitely puts the time period for, for like when I mean when this one album was out and I think kind of a high point in Biff Naked's career was the first time I was exposed to her music was uh, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer really mm-hmm. uh, I didn't realize that's where you got it yeah it was, the song Lucky was in one of the episodes uh, I think it was season two maybe I don't know it was definitely played at like a a sentimental moment between Buffy and Angel um, oh. And I really like that song. And she was performing in the bronze, you know, like they would do that. They'd have the musical artist there in the episode. So I saw that. It This is actually, that's where I discovered Veruca Salt because I went searching for Biff Naked on Napster and I found mm-hmm. a couple Biff songs. But then that led me to other, like somebody had made like a list labeled like Angry Girl Rock. And that's where I found like uh-huh. some Veruca Salt for the first time. So so it was through Buffy, through Biff Naked, that I got turned on to a lot of other artists that led me down to more like punk music. Um, you're lucky that you found at the right actual artist because there were so many times on Napster you would follow to a song that was listed by a certain artist that was not true at all. And Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of the classic, everybody thinking Crazy Game of Poker was by Fish for the longest time. <laughs> I, that's not true i remember downloading uh tired of you from foo fighters but it was just the first verse looped and like <laughs> three times and i thought that was the song and i'm like i mean it's a good song it's, it's weirdly repetitive but it's nice like no no high point just that 
God, I miss those days. I miss those wild, wild west of music days where you didn't know what you were getting. Half the time I was just downloading like audio clips from The Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. Here's an here's an MP3. Here's a wave file I saved of Wesley saying as you wish. They, they would mess up my Winamp because I had such a cultivated list of like pop punk and, and, and emo on my Winamp and then occasionally it would be interrupted because it would just upload everything that was put on the computer. It would be interrupted by a, a weird line from the Princess Bride. Like, Man, Sydney messed up my vibes. You'd be listening to your music and all of a sudden you're like, hello, my name is Aniko Montoya. (laughs) What what did Sydney do? Can I ask why you needed those? I have no idea. (laughs) I have no. Because it's not even like it's not. It was before the era where we were downloading weird stuff to make like quirky ringtones on our, you know, brand new iPhones. There was something, Taylor, I don't know if you'll be able to put better words to this than I am. There was something about that moment when like with Napster and stuff like that and it, I mean Napster was music but like with the idea that you could go on the internet and find things that you like <laughs> and yeah. like have them I, I don't know how to say it any better than that like yeah. it was the same moment like before Amazon there was there was like eBay where yeah. you would go to eBay and be like I would type in something like I love John Cusack so I'll type in John Cusack <laughs> And I found a tote bag with John Cusack on it. I'm going to order this. And it was just like, why? I don't know. Because all of a sudden you could. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, downloading from AOL. Like people would post files, like image files. An image, Riley. A single picture of like Sailor Moon characters. And they would take like a couple minutes to download a single image and then we would print them out and my friends and I saved them in a book, like a holy tome of like, here is a low resolution image of Sailor Jupiter that I got from the internet. <laughs> Gaze upon it. Really it was like, believers. It, it really was like when you when we first I mean, I got OK, I got my prom dress on the internet my senior year. If you can believe that. I cannot. And. When I ordered it, I remember mom and dad looking at me like, you're never getting a dress. This won't work. (laughs) Nothing is coming. Like, there's no way something will arrive at our house after you do this. And whatever it is, it's not going to be right. Like, there there was this complete, like, we were all incredulous waiting for the weeks it took yeah. for this prom dress to arrive at our house. And me putting it on being like, it's a dress. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe time. that. Why? It was. It was just this time where, like, if you all of a sudden you could access things you liked anytime you wanted and have them on your computer for yourself on the family on the family computer <laughs> back to biff naked yes yeah. <laughs> well eventually like i i went to the sam goody and bought the cd ibificus uh which i think we ultimately had two copies of because i know i eventually ended up rebuying it so that you had one mm-hmm. and i had one to take to college but uh um, it was a cool, cool CD cover too. I always liked having that in the car. Yeah, well, like her that blue, her style was one of those things that I just immediately fell in love with. Like, like had sort of the Betty Page bangs and hair, but then like tattooed and like kind of had the Gwen Stefani like crop tops and track pants yeah. going on. Like it was just a very 
specific iconic look that she had like i instantly fell in love with her like the first time i saw her it was a great look i loved that moment and that was a very like like moment (laughs) in fashion especially in like rock stars where they they wore that look yeah like very made up very glam hair face kind of thing and then that sort of like sporty casual sexy outfit look i mean it was i i loved that moment yeah honestly looking at some of these pictures from um her like photo shoots and stuff from from back when you know like Mm -hmm. around that time when the album came out it's not that far off from what people are currently wearing as in fashion (laughs) i feel like that was one of the things at listening to the music and thinking about everything that you know biff naked is and and was at that time I was thinking that it felt very relevant to today Mm -hmm. to me, like that this doesn't feel out of step with Mm. where music fashion culture is at this moment at all. No, Um, especially like and this is not at all the same style of music, but I think you might understand what I'm saying. Everything was so far to like pop for Mm -hmm. the longest time. I mean, literally up until like very, very recently, like even Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, like all of those kind of singers that were very, very pop that like then a young person like Olivia Rodrigo starts making music and of the 11 songs on her album, two of them are like more rock punk style instead of just pop, even though it is a pop album. And everyone was like, wait, I forgot we can do this. Like, I forgot this was a good style of music. (laughs) And then like all these like TikTok artists and stuff that make their own music, that's more the genre of music that they Mm. like make songs of and put out and like that go viral on TikTok. Um, I know that sounds like very, very Gen Z, everything that I'm saying, but like Mm -hmm. it it was not the mainstream for most people, especially for young girls, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It does feel like it's very, um, much in in tune with the current time it's something that if you were just to turn on the radio that you might hear now yeah Mm. yeah although no one does that yeah the the renaissance Uh, of like i don't know i saw like somebody who was definitely in their at best 20s walking down the street in like a my chemical romance shirt the other day and i don't think they were wearing it ironically or like the tiktok compilations of people singing lyrics uh to like pop punk and emo songs from the late 90s early 2000s and they're like teenagers like it's cool that it's back is this what it felt like when we were really into 80s music when we were kids, Sid? You know, like we had those 80s CDs that we thought were funny to listen to. Is that what this feels like? I guess. I. I <laughs> yeah. When I was upstairs yelling Journey songs, I guess this is what <laughs> mom and dad were thinking. <laughs> what is happening? Uh, I want to I talk more about some of the specific songs and, and the music. But before we do that, let's check the group message. So, as wild as it seems, we're nearing the holiday season of 2021. It's now November, which, you know, uh, is Thanksgiving the entire month, and then we enter December, and it's just, you know, it's just Christmas for those of you that celebrate, or just holidays in winter. Um, so, you gotta start thinking about getting those gifts. It, it comes up on you fast. You gotta mm-hmm. think about what you're gonna That's get people. That's the truth. Um, and this holiday season, you could give your loved ones a gift that makes them feel special and u- unique just like the relationship you share, with StoryWorth. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? 
So it's not just the typical, like, I don't know, tell me a story from your youth, which like if you're talking to our dad could be a number of things. And most of them you've probably heard before, but now they're slightly different. Um, (laughs) This is very like very specific, unique questions that give you very specific, unique answers that you never think to ask the people you care about. And you need him to put it in writing so that you can hold him to that account. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And it's perfect because it will be in writing because after one year, StoryWorth will compile all of their stories, including any pictures, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for many years to come. Or be able to share and revisit when your dad tries to change the story and make it seem a little bit more dramatic. <laughs> and you can pull the book, book out and say, now look, look, it's right here. That's not what you said last year. Um, and reading those weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are because we're still in this era of maybe not being able to be as close to our loved ones as we would always like to be. So, Tay, if our listeners would like to check out StoryWorth, uh, what should they do? Well, with StoryWorth, you're giving a thoughtful personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash stillbuffering and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash stillbuffering to save $10 on your first purchase. So this time of year, a lot of people are thinking about how they should be cooking more, whether it's for big family gatherings or events or just because like it's cold and I don't want to go anywhere and I want to cook. But maybe you need some help figuring out like, what can I get? What can I make? How can I make these meals while supporting a more sustainable local food system? Well, you can do that with imperfect foods it's a grocery delivery service that offers an entire line of sustainable groceries that taste delicious and reduce waste uh they're great we've been using uh imperfect foods and what i really like is you get a mix of like some snacks and pantry items and things but also like uh seasonal produce and what's been fun for us is picking some things we like and treating it almost like um, like on a TV show, like a mystery box. Although it's not a mystery, you know what you're getting. You pick ahead of time. You can, you know, you can change it around and personalize it. But then when we get that box, we go through it and say, what are we going to make with these ingredients? How are we going to use these things? And we come up with new recipes and, and try new things and get the kids to try new things. Um, and it's been really great. We've really enjoyed it so far. You can go to imperfectfoods.com to see if they deliver in your area. And they also, um, they are the only national grocery delivery company that makes it easy to return your packaging after every order. If you're worried about the packaging that's coming and, you know, again, wanting that something that's uh, environmentally friendly and sustainable, Imperfect Foods has that covered. We've really enjoyed using it the last couple months and uh, have tried some new things and some new snacks. And I I can't recommend it enough. uh, We're big fans. We're... We, we stand in perfect foods. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Taylor, what, uh, what should our listeners do if they want to check out Imperfect Foods? Well, right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfood.com and use promo code buffering. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com. Offer code when you use promo code buffering. Uh, once again, that's imperfectfoods.com and use buffering. So, Tay, as I was re-listening to Ibificus, I was thinking about, because I, I checked out some of the other, I realized I hadn't really listened to a lot of the other albums. Um, and I checked out some of them, and then I went back to Ibificus because it was always my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the songs are really heavy. Like, content-wise? Yeah, like she covers intense things. Yeah, well, it, I was thinking about how, 
like at this time period, you know, I, I'm when we did Tegan and Sarah, I, I said I had listened to Tegan and Sarah, but I was afraid to play it because I thought, oh, no, this is like too gay. I can't let people know I listened to this. But like this album's <laughs> actually it, there's like a, there's definitely like gay stuff. <laughs> like It's pretty bisexual, right? this album. Uh, yeah, uh, right. I mean, that's in there. I don't think I knew that when I listened to it when I was younger. I think I just realized that when I was listening to it now. Like you listen to like Sophia, which is the song about mm-hmm. her and just her just her her lady friend, you know, just a couple of gal pals on a road trip. Definitely making out <laughs> like definitely. Yeah, no, I, I picked up on that. Yeah. But it was one of those where like I picked up on it at being, you know, right now in 2021 listening to it for the first time. And I was thinking like, hmm. Sneaky enough, though, that this wasn't, yeah. you know, you yeah. didn't have to say that's what it was about back in, you know, 98. I mean, it is like she loves Sophia, right? Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Yeah. A, I mean, that's 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 a song for a girlfriend. And then like Twitch has a song or has a lyric about having a boyfriend that has a girlfriend and that you, you all get along. Like, I think there's that like, I don't think she was hiding it. I think she was pretty forward about that. Well, and then the song Choti is about her abortion i i don't know is it about an abortion is it i didn't know if it was abortion or adoption she talks about i gave you up and i didn't know exactly what she i thought i when i was a kid i definitely thought it was about an adoption and then i i looked into it before this episode and it was about an abortion which i think actually because on the re-listen i'm like oh that's kind of harsh that you you i mean it's you know to put a child up for adoption that's fine but like you wrote a song that's basically like goodbye like that's a little harsh but oh for for i think for an abortion it makes a little bit more sense you know and yeah. she apparently has a, a tattoo of a symbol that means choti on like as one of her tattoos now so which once again like to a song that is very openly about having an abortion in like the late 90s on like a pop popular album i think it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like it, it, I mean, it, it, honestly, it's a big deal now. Yeah. You know, I mean, but to but the idea that we were listening to that, I don't think I real like you said, I don't think I realized that at the time and how like important and kind of groundbreaking that was at the time. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I definitely also thought it was about an adoption, and I had the same thought that was like that's feels a little weird but like i get it but now that you say that it's about an abortion instead that makes um a lot more sense but also Mm -hmm. like is the kind of thing that i have a hard time wrapping my head around i cannot think of i'm not saying it doesn't exist i can't think of like a modern popular song that talks about anything near the same content or like level of you know like meaningfulness in terms of that subject um but then the, this song came out, you know, mm-hmm. 23 years ago. I I, think well, about. and I think I do think that like and we've talked about other artists at the time who who did this kind of thing, like because Alanis definitely went into intense themes. Tori Amos mm-hmm. did, you know, things that were incredibly serious trauma or personal things. You know, I mean, like that was out there. Um but at the time, a lot of it was just dismissed as angry girls. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's, all this music yeah. that was talking about these incredibly intense personal things and putting it out there for the world. The the cultural idea of it was like, oh, these women are so angry. <laughs> well, I, I think that the the sweet spot for me, though, was that, uh, you know, there's sort of a, a classic punk rock sensibility that's like, we're not talking in flowery, secretive language. We're saying very straightforward things. It's, you know, there's like a, a simplicity to like 
punk rock that I like. I, I, and I, I've always responded to that. You know, the Ramones can just say like, you know, I want to be your boyfriend or I don't want to walk around with you. Like, it's a straightforward idea. That's the whole song. Whatever. I want to be sedated. And Biff has that ability to talk about, like, this album talks about some heavy stuff, some, you know, advanced stuff or where we were culturally. But instead of like, you know, with Tori Amos, there's a lot of sort of symbolism and floweriness and you you, you don't have to read into it if you don't want to. Biff is really straightforward mm-hmm. in that kind of guttural punk way that I, I, I really love li- listening back to because I don't think there were specifically a lot of women's voices that were that were communicating that way at the time, you know, like mm-hmm. it's very accessible. It's very straightforward. You can ignore it. I, I mean, even when I was young, I definitely knew what these songs were about. I pretended not to, but I knew what she was singing about. <laughs> I I mean, I think that's true. And I think they also really, I was listening, some of the, the just the vibe of it so captures that time, like that late 90s time period. I was thinking about the song Spaceman. <laughs> what a great song. That was one of the only ones I had heard before. Really? Oh, yeah. How funny. I don't know where I had heard it, but I definitely had before. That is strange that that's where you've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I It really, as I was listening to it, it, I could close my eyes and like just be in that time period again and be that age. I don't know why, but it felt so like that was the end of the 90s. Everybody was just like, I don't know everything's i give up just take me away somebody come take me away from this planet i can't anymore the x-files were popular at the time it made sense (laughs) it was like the planet is doomed society's awful our culture's going nowhere we don't know what to do about it could you come take us to another planet? god that's gen x in a in a in a sentence like just come take us to another planet we give up (laughs) could somebody else do something please (laughs) I was going to ask like what I want to say like what happened but I think you're <laughs> I think you're right. No no no, listen, listen. I I mean like seriously, like I think you're right in that we did, there we were all the these planet. I'm not I, there were all these female artists that made these like more intense, very vulnerable, open, revealing songs that were very like emotional or personal that were great and made great music but they weren't necessarily fitting in that, you know, pop genre that was, that became more mainstream. And I guess that like society just decided like women, it, we'd gotten too angry. I don't know. Like you don't get to do that anymore. Cause I feel like that definitely died off a bit. Like you had that whole era of all of these female artists that I feel like there weren't as many over time and aren't even as many now. I don't know if it just became more acceptable that, you know, you'll get more, listens and people will be able to listen to this with like younger siblings or around their families or with their friends or in public and we'll be able to play it on the radio and um you'll make more money if you make your songs that are just like the very like light Mm -hmm. bubblegum modern pop i don't i mean tay you may know more about this because i feel like you you think and know a lot more about like music and the progression of music and that kind of stuff than than i am in touch with um i'm like i know they exist I, i just feel like they're not as you know well but i well do known I, I don't know if it was like a backlash a cultural backlash to that to all the quote unquote angry women yeah I, like we got we got the pop the pop women instead yeah well but you had it happen across the board because you know when you move into the 2000s you're moving into like 
Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, but also like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, you know, 98 Degrees. That's true. And I think more, I mean, if I can be completely cynical about it, it's it's not that any of these other kind of alternative or, or punk ever went away. There were artists that whole time that were performing, that were being successful. It's that mainstream is ultimately decided by what sells and how much you can sell. And you're not going to sell uh, an Alanis Morissette t-shirt throw blanket action figure you know whatever jack custom jacket to like the like the 20 something year old that can understand her music and vibe with it but you can sell all that Mm -hmm. stuff for the backstreet boys to a 13 year old like i think mainstream music just started to get so coalesced with merchandising that that's like that's true merchandise people you could make merchandise from became the the mainstream hits because there was just more money in that you know like it frankly music just i remember growing up like there wasn't really music that i felt like was for me when i was like i don't know like 10 or 12 so i would just listen to music that like you listen to sid and i got exposed mm-hmm. to things at a younger age and they kind of filled that gap with like here's preteen music and we can sell so much stuff <laughs> to this group of kids i don't know i think like a lot of that was that like it was heavily merchandisable properties that that got pushed to the forefront and there was still always like alt rock and you know like music for older people but it just it was in competition to the stuff that made the big music companies more money just like Josie and the Pussy (laughs) (laughs) exactly actually like all the subliminal advertisements that's what that movie was about yeah that's what i'm like it's half a joke (laughs) half like but like that's what it was about (laughs) that's one of the best movies ever made um that you know it's true and that really it's funny because i think that we started because there's like a there's a time period where you're still little and you don't really have music you you (laughs) know i mean like you're listening to i don't i guess kids bop was eventually it i don't know what it was when i was yeah <laughs> whatever yeah whatever the, the I mean, now it's cuckoo kangaroo so i don't know deal with that but <laughs> but like you're listening to kid music and then you start like finding your own music and i feel like that it was right before that tay that we got to find music because for me when i, I was listening to one of um to like the first biff naked album on there that i never really listened to and it they all start out with this there's this sound to the guitar or the when the drumsticks, there's this sound to it that immediately takes me to a friend's garage mm-hmm. that, or like to the YWCA. Like there's this sound to it that I associate with youth, that this is music. This was the first music that I listened to, that I found, that I experienced, that I sought out. And it's kind of like unpolished and it's kind of raw and it's kind of like not classically trained and not following a formula and it's there's something about it that just speaks to me of like i don't know t like t-shirts with sarcastic sayings on them (laughs) and baggy pants and Mm -hmm. standing in a garage and like i feel like that's when that biff naked is that for me it's like that's when i found music Mm -hmm. and then came all the pop stuff and so i don't i knew it was happening but like the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and all that era was just after I'd already found my music. It can't, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was still definitely a teenager, but it was just after I had sort of latched on to what was mine. Right. Well, and I mean, not to say that like mainstream pop was an anomaly of the early 2000s. We always had it like all 
backwards through time. These were always competing yeah. forces, but it, it was a weird moment in the 90s where alt was mainstream, where these were the this was the kind of music you were exposed to at a young age. And then it kind of went back into, no, you kind of have to search it out. You kind of have to choose to rebel against the pop stuff, and then you go seek out the other stuff. And now we're seeing this renaissance where alternative-sounding music is kind of hitting the mainstream again. So, Because it's the same for me. Like, I, I always, I mean, you know, those unpolished, like, cover bands and, and you know, $5 mm-hmm. shows. Uh, I, it's, it, it's funny because <laughs> I remember even having a conversation that made me angry in, in high school about, uh, with, a, with a guy that was judging my music and he was like, oh, Biff Naked is dumb. Like one of the, that one song just has a chord progression that's just going up and down the neck of the guitar. And it's true. It's a, uh, it's um moment of weakness. It's the moment of weakness does. Yeah. It's literally just up and down. And I'm like, oh, right, right, right. Cause, cause classically punk rock, super complex chord progressions. Absolutely. You're so right. Yeah, really. That's, that's so funny you said that's exactly I was when I was listening to the, her first album the first song opens up and I was listening to the chord progression and thinking that's such a basic god I love that I know what that looks yeah. like I can see somebody doing that because I've seen it in concert at local shows because <laughs> it's not hard but if you can sing really loud to it it kind of rocks and like I but I love that yeah. for me that's like that's where I found music yeah. well that, I think that for for me that was really the, like once again that's where Biff Naked was like, it, I like that it was a woman singing and talking, like giving it from a, a woman's perspective, you know, singing about breakups and, and being dumped and being cheated on. But also with this really simple kind of like basic punk rock aesthetic behind it. Like that's not you, you have other people that did that. But like that was that was more rare compared to all the other artists that were performing at the time. Mm hmm. Was there any uh, specific song that you loved, Riley? I did like Space Man. <laughs> it's a great song. I did like it a lot. Like it was one of the I I listened I listened to as much as I could, and it was one of the ones that I like went back to to re-listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like I used Spotify. It looked like it was one of her most popular songs. I guess that's maybe why I had heard it before. Um, but I did like it. I would say that moment of mm-hmm. weakness. I died. Those were the lucky. Those are the big ones mm-hmm. um, from that album. I think that like like permeated the mainstream. Yeah, I liked I listening to them again. I wouldn't have remembered the titles, but I remember like once I listened to them, the Peacock song and anything. Those were both songs that I really loved. Um, and Twitch wasn't one of my favorite songs. I did like Twitch a lot. It wasn't one of my favorites, but I did love when she says, <laughs> "Danger Boy." <laughs> We did say that a lot. I remember. Well, and it's funny because I feel like early on we would skip Twitch, not because it's a bad song, but because it's probably the most confrontationally sexual song on the album. And like, I would be a little uh-huh. uncomfortable just chilling in the car listening to Twitch. That's fair. Uh, that's true. That's, fair. that's very true. But I did really like that part where I remember thinking like, ooh, Danger Boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, my my favorites um, were definitely. I mean, like you said, like I I died, moment of weakness, and lucky. Those were the big three for me, and and the peacock song. I really like the peacock song. Um, yeah, yeah. Just that, like I love the yeah. like the straightforwardness of like I died. I died eating French fries in the restaurant in the corner where you broke my heart. Like that's what I mean. Where it's just like you, but you know what that feels like when you've been dumped at like a a mm-hmm. place that you you go to a lot, and like ah, oh, this ruins this place forever. <laughs> 
And she's also talking about how she's just wasted money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like she's broke and she spent money to go to this restaurant and get dumped and eat French fries. And it's just I yeah. love it. <laughs> it's just perfect. It's it's a it's a mood. Yeah. It is a mood. I heard- and I, I went back and watched a couple of her videos, too. And oh, wow. The videos are just just visual masterpieces of the late 90s. Like the the video for... I gotta see Oh, they're em. great. Like Moment of Weakness is her like storming into an office building to find her crappy ex, I guess, and confront him. But she's wearing like a cut off and like bright orange track pants and her bands oh my her band is following her with their with their instruments like so when she finally finds the dude she like sings to his face and her band's playing right there in the office it's so good god that's good i don't watch those that reminds me of a tweet i saw the other day that made me think of you all that said people in the 90s really used to just say i'm gonna go watch music videos on tv for an hour <laughs> and then we did we're good though <laughs> And then, oh, and then when we wanted something funny, we would watch Beavis and Butthead so that they could watch music videos and make jokes about them while we were watching them watch music videos and make jokes about them. If you're going to bring back all the aesthetics of the 90s, can you bring back like like music video blocks? Um, I don't know. What would that, what would that oh, look man. like in a streaming service? Just I have no idea. I don't know, but I, I, I will mean, say I'd Olivia, be there. Olivia Rodrigo did like a mini like concert performance um for her album because she obviously couldn't tour anything because it came out during the pandemic um but she like did all of the songs in like one filmed prom type performance that was very much like styled like a music video um but it was really cool it was almost like if you took a whole album and just kind of made it into like one cohesive um longer music video music movie Mm. yeah film i don't know it was very cool. like beyonce does yeah 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 (laughs) Just like Beyonce, yeah. like Beyonce. I like, I, well, her her music video definitely gave the one for uh, "Good for You." I mean, obviously it's referencing yeah. Jennifer's body, but even just like the production quality, it definitely gave me like some '90s vibes of like this was. Yeah, this looks like something that could have been written and produced and afforded back then. Yeah, which is funny to me that someone that's even like four years younger than me is making music videos very '90s. Yeah, that's because we were very um, co- we were very cool in the '90s. Oh yeah, we very cool. I don't guess now. I don't know. Just yeah. don't, br- don't, don't, don't let them bring back the skinny eyebrows. Don't, don't let it happen. I am so, I am so happy about bushy eyebrows being back. <laughs> I have stopped. I actually meant to ask you all this. I have stopped other than like when the unibrow happens. I pluck that. Uh-huh. I, I prevent them from joining forces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep them separated. But other than that, I'm, I'm just sort of letting it go. Yeah. And I need you all to tell me if at some point it's gone too far. <laughs> That's what I do. If it gets if it gets Willy Wonka on us, you need to tell me. I've grown them out enough. I don't even have to fill them in anymore. I just use some clear brow gel and just kind of fluff them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Well, um, well, thank you, Tay, for showing us that. Well, showing me um, Biff naked because I had never listened. Obviously, I had some point been exposed to her music. Um, but I'd never gone out and sought it out and listened to it. So thank, thank you. you for checking it yeah, out. Thank, yeah, thanks for reminding me to listen to it because it was great and I enjoyed it and it will be back in my rotation. But apparently, said you were saying that she's got a new song out, right? Yeah, I found when I was looking up her music, I found like a single from, I believe, January of this wow. year. Um, yeah, called Broken to Your Car. 
it was mm. it was good. Um, and I and again, like I think it's fascinating because I listened to it, and it feels like today's music. Mm-hmm. It feels it, it's it's so neat to see an artist evolve and like do that, and just it feels very effortless. Like this sounds like the stuff that is out there today. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really good. I check that out. Uh, what's next? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to talk about a movie I cannot believe we have not talked about on the show before because it um, defined my entire personality for a good two years in my, my tween years. Um, and that's Pitch Perfect. <laughs> oh, boy. <Yeah. laughs> Learning that cup song was my one personality trait for like a <laughs> solid year. So You were not alone, I don't think, with that. Oh, no, no. I was not. All my friends were in the same boat. I had yeah. theater kid friends. That was like our movie. Um, so yeah, we got, we got to talk about it. All right. Well, I will watch it all the way through for the first time ever. Just for you. Wow. Yeah. I cannot believe you've not seen all the way through. Yeah. Oh, wow. That great TikTok sound with Anna Kendrick and Snoop Dogg singing, um, here comes Santa Claus. Now it's from the second or third one. I've seen that. Yeah. Not Not the the movie. Not the movie. I've just seen that clip because I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that I was like seen things i didn't know what what was happening as i was seeing it i was like is this real did this happen don't worry did i dream this (laughs) um all right well thank you both uh thank you listeners if you've not listened to biff naked i can't especially the uh, the album ibificus i cannot recommend it enough so good um thank you to maximum fun you should go to maximumfun.org and listen to all the great shows there you can email us at still buffering at maximumfun.org and you can tweet at us at still buff and thank you to the novellas for our theme song baby change mine this has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I, I am too. too. Whenever I see Justin, I think, Danger Boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? <laughs> In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So, yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. <laughs> Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.